Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined here with Will. Hello. And the Professor Smoke. What's up, everybody? And tis the season to be jolly. We're celebrating Christmas. Today, we're going to be watching the 2010 movie from Finland. Yeah, Finland and like a bunch of other countries that co-produced it, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) Norway. There's a lot of hands in this one, and I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit. But the uh, 2010 Christmas movie, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, um, at least as 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 far as uh, you know, we're recording this podcast. It's available on Hulu to watch. It, it may be available in some other places, but uh, or some you know some other places to stream. I'm not sure. But as far as in the U.S., currently as we're recording this, it is available on Hulu. So um, if you want to pause this, go check it out and watch it. You know, and then come back and listen. Um, that's that should be a good place for you to find it. And of course, as always, you can email us at allamericanspookshow at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter at aa spook show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube by searching for All American Spook Show. We put up full episodes of uh, the podcast there and other extra content when we get around to it over on our YouTube channel. You can check that out. And of course, we also have a T Public page where you can buy logoed merchandise. You know, shirts, hoodies, mugs, pillows, whatever else they put um, the All-American Spook Show podcast logo on. So you can go find that over on tpublic.com. Just search for All-American Spook Show. And, of course, all the links are down here in the show notes of this episode. So I guess before we get into anything, what have you guys been up to here over the last couple of weeks? Not not a whole heck of a lot. It's been a lot of work. Uh, it's kind of hard to uh, uh, get away. And when I do, it's uh, so I can sleep. <laughs> <laughs> myself i haven't really been able to watch anything in the movie theaters for a while so unfortunately so um, i'm way behind on on uh 2019 flicks yeah i've seen well i don't know if i i don't know if we mentioned it or if i talked about it when we did home sweet home or not but i'd seen dr sleep sequel to the shining and i, I don't enjoyed that we, one i don't I think it. we mentioned it how was it i liked it i liked it i liked it there's a lot of nods in there too and you can even tell from the trailer there's a lot of nods to stanley kubrick's film even though it's it's a uh, more, I guess, closer to Stephen King's novel than, say, the Shining, Kubrick's Shining was to King's yeah. novel. But there's still a lot of nods to the Shining movie in this one as well. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd say you have to mm-hmm. uh, have a delicate balance there of, like, wanting to pay homage to uh, Stanley Kubrick, but also to Stephen King, you know, because... Correct, ca- yeah. And, and because the, the Shining was such a divisive thing somewhat, you know, between Kubrick and King even to this day yep. that um, I'm sure it's a delicate balance there to, you know, kind of pay homage to both, but yet, you know, still kind of making it its own thing. I even seem to remember at one point, I think King was, 
giving his uh, accolades more so to that Shining miniseries than he was to the Kubrick film. Yeah. <laughs> which I still have yet to sit which, down I mean, and watch that one. I mean, I've heard it's good. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen pieces of it, but I haven't seen the whole series, miniseries. I'd say Jack Nicholson was just so good. And, and of course, Stanley Kubrick being, yeah. you know, a cinematic master. But yeah. Jack Nicholson was just so good in that movie that it's it's probably hard for <laughs> anyone to wrap their brain around anyone else playing that part, you know. Yeah. True, yeah. And just, I mean, Kubrick's style of filmmaking is, I mean, like, I think we might have probably talked about this before on there that it became as much as of a Kubrick movie as it was a King novel, you know, no or qu- even more so of a Kubrick yeah. film than a King novel. Yeah, no question. Uh, but I yeah, also saw uh, The Lighthouse. Ah, how was that? Uh, that I really enjoyed that movie, but I can definitely see, I haven't gone back to look at the reviews, look at the rating on IMDb or anything like that. I can definitely say, though, that it would be another one of those divisive kind of movies like his first film, you know, The Witch. This one probably is even more divisive than the witch was as far as uh, people probably <laughs> not appreciating maybe some of the the art house type aspects of it because uh-huh. it does go out a little bit further in the left field than the witch did even so but i really loved it i'm just a director that i'm definitely going to be you know keeping an eye on in the future so yeah it's uh robert eggers right yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think it's it's almost like you know kind of reminds me of like uh um the dude that did uh midsummer uh, Ari Aster, yeah, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in in terms yeah, of like, I haven't seen the light. Yeah, I haven't seen the lighthouse, but like in terms of the way they do it, like it's uh, it's not your common horror films. You know, they're I don't know how to describe them. Like, um, yeah, I don't. It's they, you kind of have to think about it a little bit. They kind of haunt you, really. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're kind of in that mold, I guess, of sort of like a. And I'm not saying that they're copying anything from these movies, but like Rosemary's Baby, where it's not cut and dry. You know, they give you a little bit to work with there as far as, they're not, you know, they're not coming over, up with things yourself, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to kind of fill in the blank spaces, and they're not uh, they're not gory, bloody, quite the opposite of slasher type of films. You know, they're they're different. I think it's kind of a, it's sort of a, um, not a backlash, but just a way of doing, I guess, horror differently. Or, well, I guess you could say it's a backlash to the sort of remake and that type of stuff that's been, been pushed out there for, like, so many years now. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I guess, we're trying to get to the, uh, that pure pure cinema that's horror and doesn't even have to necessarily be confined to one genre even so mm-hmm. i mean the lighthouse could be drama as much as it is horror would you yeah. say it's more closely in line with say like a psycho yeah yeah definitely more no, so than than I, straightforward horror yeah. yeah yeah i mean i haven't seen that one more. i haven't seen that one in particular but I, you know just knowing from some of those other movies that we're talking about i'd say it definitely follows more that that line of horror or the horror genre so to speak than it does say friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street you know like, oh, com- yeah. completely different yeah, kinds of movies <laughs> yeah totally unconventional because i mean you know you got psycho who the main who who the person you think is the main protagonist dies within the next you know the first however many minutes of the movie you know <laughs> spoiler alert now yeah <laughs> that movie's only been out for like 50 something years <laughs> but yeah it's like that where you don't Things happen that you're not necessarily expecting, you know, because as fans, as, as we all are of the horror genre, we sometimes expect certain conventionalism in a movie. I mean, if you're watching a slasher movie, you kind of expect it to follow certain guidelines in there that have been set forth before. Zombie movies, same thing. I think it's sort of a new wave of horror, I guess you could say. I always think of it like the first uh, Wes Craven's uh, Scream movie, you know, where they almost kind of set the rules, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. You almost think of it like... The, the generic 
consumer version of horror is that. You know, right. those ground rules that they set, that type of movie and everything. But then there are so many different other types of subgenres and, you know, classifications even in that, you know, that it's yeah. pretty, it's more, <laughs> yeah, far no, more yeah. broad than that. Subgenres upon subgenres. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like rock music. You can't just say rock. There's heavy metal. There's blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all these <laughs> yeah. different progressive rock, alternative yeah. rock, blah, 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 blah. It's like that. <laughs> even within those genres, and then within, you know, of course, metal is not just metal. There's power metal, you know, metalcore, death metal, black metal, whatever, you know, and then subgenres upon those subgenres. So, yeah, horror genres definitely branched off into those directions, too. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't really, I can't think of anything I've watched recently. I've been catching up on, uh, I still got a, ha- a few episodes to watch of the current season of American Horror Story 1984. I think I got the last oh, yes. few to watch, watch on that. that yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, at least in terms of, uh, they nailed the uh, time period, if nothing else, for sure. And that nice. slasher film type of thing, except there's more going on to it than that. It's it's deeper than just, you know, some dude running around stabbing people, for sure. It's 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 a little odd. It's not necessarily what I expected, but as far as that 1984 time period aesthetic, yeah, they nailed that. And the soundtrack and everything, they got that part right, for sure. Oh, it's got a very, I, I assume, I haven't, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen any of the episodes yet, but I assume it has like a very, does it have like a synth, synth wave type oh, soundtrack? Though? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's nice. it's very, you know, 1984, you know, in terms of the yeah. music and the style and everything. Yeah, it's there. It's just a little deeper than just what you would think. Like, you know, it's a, it's a slasher, but there's more to it than that. They put some imagination into it, that's for sure. And and they mixed a little bit of real, like, real life, like, things that were going on at the time into it, but changing history almost. Hard to describe, but, yeah, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. I've enjoyed it so far, and I got I got the last few episodes to watch. Which I think it's already over. I think it was a shorter season than they normally have. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. Will, have you watched any of those uh, ser- seasons of American Horror Story? No. Yeah, you should watch some of those, man. Some some seasons are better than others, you know, like any other show. But they're really well done. They're good. Some of them yeah. are really, really good. There's a few I gotta catch up on personally. Like I think I can't remember which exact season it was. Maybe it was season two or maybe it's three. But Coven, whichever season that was, mm, yeah. I didn't get. I haven't seen that one yet. I want to say that was season two or three it's, it's early on yeah yeah it was pretty early on and then roanoke i didn't see all of that i mean i think i saw a couple episodes of that but i, I didn't finish that one yet. i actually just kind of skipped ahead to watch this one i haven't watched like the last couple before that like i, I didn't watch roanoke or uh cult i think it was the last couple before this one because that that's yeah, another saw, good thing I about see the, the one with lady gaga as a vampire i think it was i saw that one yeah that was I can't uh remember what that was. hotel hotel yeah, yeah. that one I remember that was a good one actually. Yeah, that was weird like, as hell, but it was a good one. Yeah, it had a good good soundtrack on that one too. Yeah, a lot of eighties yeah. tracks there as well. Um, but that's the beauty of that series is that you don't necessarily have to go back and like watch it from season one. No, <laughs> uh, there are some slight tie-ins, but you know you can you can go you can skip from season to season. Like you could just go ahead and start watching nineteen eighty four and not have to worry about anything that happened before <laughs> it. So it's it's pretty. cool. Yeah, that is the cool design of that series. I guess the way that it's. Everything's self-contained. One season, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, there's homages and things that tie together, slight yeah. things. but It makes it very accessible from season to season. Yeah, I think that's about it for me. So I guess uh, before we get any further and you know, get into the uh, behind-the-scenes behind the notes, so to speak, of uh, Rare Exports, we'll go ahead and uh, throw the trailer. Now, I'm not sure whether it's in... Uh, what do they speak in Finland? Is it Finnish? Is that the name of their language? I'm not sure exactly yeah. what they speak. Yeah. Finnish. It may or may not yep. be in Finnish. I'm not sure. I, I didn't check before we play this. Um, but I'm sure you can get the gist of it. So here's the trailer of 2010's Rare Exports. 
It's the most magical time of the year. When traditions are honored. And the youngest among us still believe in the spirit of the season. something else than just plain rocks and dirt. This mountain is like a giant icebox. For storing what? Drill deeper. Bear the dynamite. You have a grave to rob. Minkälaiset sulet tekee? Hyvä joo. Santa Claus. Selitä sille, että meillä on täällä pukki myytävänä. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And that was the trailer for Rare Exports. So I guess before we uh, get into the uh, background and ins and outs and everything, has have have any of you guys seen this movie before today or before? I had not. Smoke, have you seen this, it before? This would be yeah. I've seen. I'm trying to think if this is my, I guess third time of seeing it. Oh okay. Yeah, this would have been my third time seeing it. All right. So with that being and said, the first time was way back when it. I don't remember. If it was, I guess it was 2012. I saw it on actually on Netflix. They had it for streaming when Netflix was you know back in 2011 or 12 or so. When Netflix had slightly, slightly better, when Netflix had yeah. slightly better movies to watch. Yeah, yeah. I guess before <laughs> they before they had all the TV shows to concentrate on their own, you know, shows that they had. But they did have a bunch of good movies. And I guess before there was a lot of other streaming services that kind of took the place of that, as far as like Shutter and Hulu and all those. So, mm -hmm. so with that, yeah, this would be the third time. So with that being said, uh, Will, this this being the first time you've seen, what were your initial reactions to it? Part of it. You know, with the, with the first viewing of it, I, I almost felt like uh, th th this feels like there's I'm missing something. Like, was there a, a previous movie to this, or one that followed it? The other thing was uh, it left me want more, and and I wouldn't say necessarily in a good way. All right, Smoke, what were your uh, initial reactions? Uh, I guess the first time I saw it was uh, right. This is before like Krampus, you know, had been in theaters. I mean, I knew of the theme of it, and I'm not saying that this is. We'll get into that one in the movie when we get the blow by blow and everything. But there are some correlations, I think, to the Krampus mythology, and uh, so I thought that was really cool. Like I said, it was before the Krampus movie had even come out or anything, but I, I was aware of, of the actual folklore behind it or whatever. So I like those tie-ins to, even though they don't mention the name Krampus anywhere in the movie. Yeah, the, the only, <laughs> the, I guess we'll get. Like I said, we'll get into more of this once we get into the blow by blow. But one, I guess, disappointing factor of it was 
when we get to quote unquote Santa Claus, his uh, minimal maybe involvement in the movie, I, that's where I would like to see a little bit more there mm-hmm. than kind of where the movie went. But uh, I enjoyed it. And again, I saw it the second time around. I enjoyed it a little bit more. So, I mean, I would, it would be cool to, to have seen a little bit more of quote unquote Santa's storyline, I guess. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. Uh, myself, I had not seen it before this. I, I don't even, I'm pretty sure I hadn't even heard of it. Like, I don't even know in passing I had seen that this was a thing. That being said, I mean, it, I think it was kind of what I expected, maybe a little more than I expected. But I, I, I'm kind of like you on that, on that part, you know, the Santa part, Krampus, you know, however you want to phrase it. Um, I, I was once again familiar with that, that folklore at least. You know that I think in a lot of uh, European countries and and just countries, you know, over the pond, so to speak, right? Like that's kind of what they think. They don't think of Santa Claus. I think there's even that joke in the movie that like uh, it's not the Coca-Cola Santa. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's think, definitely not the Coca-Cola. Yeah, Santa. yeah. I think like Coca-Cola like changed our, the way we looked at Santa Claus. Like like legit like. You know, before Coca-Cola, you know, back in the day, you know, Santa, I don't know if Santa was always seen as like the jolly fat dude with the red cheeks and the, the red suit, ho, 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 and all that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that kind of changed the mythology a little bit, so. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I was it became familiar. more benevolent, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, they had a little bit, they had a little bit of that darker red, a little bit, in the fact that when you're a kid or something, when you're first, like, you'd be bad that Santa's going to put coal in your stocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, that was as yeah. bad as. It got, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not, Santa's not going to kidnap you and, you know, punish you or something. Yeah. By the time we came along, like the, the myth had changed to, uh, you know, happy, happy feelings and everything. Whereas yeah. back yeah. in the, back in those days and in the older countries, they kind of use it as you better be good or this thing's going to come and eat you, you know, <laughs> yeah. so they actually scared the living shit out of their kids with this, you know, so yeah. it, you didn't see him as a rosy man that was going to bring you presents. Mm-hmm. You saw him as, uh, you know, Satan himself. So, <laughs> and you know when you think about it too, just fairy tales in general. You know all those, all those original fairy tales that came from like Germany and other parts of Europe and everything were very dark. Even when I was a kid, I remember them being very dark. Well, that and then over the years, you know, they've kind of softened they've got them up, lost that edge to them. I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I mean that was movies. the. I think that was the uh, general reason for their existence, right? Was to basically scare kids straight, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, like yeah. this is the way you did it. You just scared the crap out of them, so they, you know. Like, you know, it's the old, like, uh, if you play with fire, you're going to piss the bed or something. You know, like, it's like that. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. crap, I don't want to piss the bed, you know. Better not play with fire. Um, so, yeah, I was I was uh, familiar with that, you know, that, that side of the myth of Santa Claus. So, you know, that part I kind of expected, although, you know, they, they definitely took it to a different direction. And, uh, you know, I'll save the rest for uh, whenever we give our star reviews at the end. But so uh, I guess with uh, with that out of the way, I guess we can go into some of the background here. Um this film was released December 3rd, 2010 in the U.S. Um, I'm pretty sure it was released in Finland and some other countries before. Best I can tell, it it, it did have at least a small run, I, be, I believe, in the theaters. I want to say I remember seeing like trailers for it like leading up to when it was coming out. P- possibly. I mean, because uh, best I can tell, it made in the in the U.S. box office, it made a little over four millions, which means it. It got some type of small limited release in theaters for sure, just based on that. And, and I th- best I can tell, I couldn't tell an exact. I don't know what the exchange rate is or whatever, but whatever money they spend there, I guess it's euros. I guess um, the budget, yes, euros. So the budget for that was one point eight three million euros, which once again, mm. I don't know what the conversion rate is, but 
Yeah, um, that's true either. <laughs> fa- fairly small budget, though, give or take, because I think euro, give or take, euros are a little bit more than the dollar, right? Our, yeah. our handful yeah. of international listeners may be just laughing at us right now, like, <laughs> these dumb <laughs> bastards. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, that was the budget, and then it made at least a little over four million in the U.S. Oh yeah, it was. Well, it looks like it was released around the same time in Finland, so. Um, and I think it played at some film festivals and stuff like that in, in uh, the month or two leading up to that. So I guess that's kind of the official release. Either way, you know, it came out later part of the year, 2010. And it was released by, this is a long list, Senate, which is in Finland, in co-production with Pomar Film, which is Norway, Davage Film, Sweden, and Love Streams Agnes B. Productions, France, with support from the Finnish Film Foundation, Norwegian Film Institute, Film Camp, and Film Pool Nord. Current, uh, Film Pool Nord. Sorry, sorry. And like I mentioned before, it's currently on Hulu in the U.S. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of lot of fingers in the pie for sure. And that's there's probably even more that I didn't list that had something to do with this. But a lot of those other countries and stuff, like they almost have like these film boards and stuff that are set up to help finance films and stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They get. I mean, I, I don't know specifically about this movie, but yeah, I know I know those. They set it up to do a film, and then they give them a certain amount for whatever budgetary, you know. Yeah. Not maybe not to find the whole thing, but they do give but, them yeah, the, the stipends con- or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, the country kind of kicks in a little bit to kind of help mm-hmm. stuff get made in the country, I guess. I guess is the yeah. reasoning for it. I'm not exactly sure. The total runtime for this movie was one hour and 24 minutes. I, I do think the movie moves pretty quick. I mean, obviously, that's not a very long movie, an hour and 24 minutes. And frankly, that's probably yeah. about five minutes of credit. Well, so you know, when you think about it, Home Sweet Home was an hour and 24 minutes. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> you, you know, I think you're right and almost dead on. like three hours. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is a good example right there of... <laughs> <laughs> of what a halfway decent movie's time can, you know, click, 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 moving along. This is halfway interesting versus a piece of shit where you're just like, God, how much, le- how much is left? I know. Yeah, you look, you look at your watch and it's only been two minutes. I, damn, the credits just stopped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I never stopped this movie one time to see how much was left. Like, I did pause it a no. couple times to, like, you know, use the bathroom or something. And, I, mm. all right, I got 30 minutes left or something. But not because, like, God, how much longer do I have to watch this, you know? <laughs> Like Home Sweet Home. But yeah, I think it's a pretty fast-paced movie. You know, it keeps your interest enough to, you know, to the better end. It was directed and written by Jamari Hellander. I'm going to, I can tell you once again to our our few listeners in Finland, uh, <laughs> don't be uh, uh, mad at me for trying to pronounce most of these names because I'm going to shit all over it, this entire podcast. <laughs> I can guarantee it. Um, directed and written by Jamari Hellander. Um and this was based on two short films that uh, he and his brother wrote, which I can't think of his name, but it was like under the name the Hellander Brothers. The first Frank, <laughs> Frank Hellander. <laughs> the first short film uh, was from 2003 called Rare Exports Inc. And then in 2005, they actually had a short film sequel, Rare Exports: The Official Safety Instructions. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, his brother's name is Juso Hellander, and it was basically. Yeah, pretty close. Basically, no, no, no. Essestrasse. Yeah, Essestrasse. Ah, you said Essestrasse. I don't understand. Nah, don't worry. One of our uh, favorite films to speak of, (laughs) Suspiria. By the way, we were uh, going back and forth earlier, and Eh. Will, Will, you said something about (laughs) never watching 
the new Suspiria, or no, no, you don't plan on watching it. Mm-hmm. Is that what, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and make those plans because we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be locking that in <laughs> oh, sooner worry. or later. Don't worry, coming soon. Uh, guest uh, uh, guest host. <laughs> Will Will's gonna be on assignment <laughs> that particular week. <laughs> What's the assignment? I don't know anything that doesn't involve Suspiria. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyways, back to the uh, Rare Exports here. So it was done by two brothers, Jamari Hallander and Juso Hallander. Um, and it's basically about, like, kind of, I don't want to say exactly what those are about, although I didn't watch them. I know at least the first one is available on YouTube. Should be, you know, as we're recording this, they're available on YouTube. And uh, maybe I'll try to find the second one, and I'll link them to the show notes. So, you know, if you guys want to go check those out, you can. We didn't watch them for this, and... and we didn't do our full prep work. I, I don't want to say exactly what they're about because it's pretty much going to give away the end of this movie until we get there. But basically, it's kind of like, I think they're basically based on what happens at the end of this movie. I guess they would, in a way, almost be like sequels to the movie, in a way, I think. At least, you know, by the descriptions I read of them. So yeah, he, he direct, uh, Jalmari Hallander directed this and, and wrote it. I'm, I'm assuming his brother had something to do with it, but at least it's based on the characters that they came up with. The only other thing you'd probably know Jalmari Hallander from would be the movie Big Game, which uh, starred Samuel L. Jackson as the president of the United States. I haven't seen, I don't think, I think we kind of discussed it pre-show. None of us have watched that movie, right? Big Game. No, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, I don't know how successful that movie was or if anyone's even seen it or heard of it, but um, it did have a few you know, stars in it. Um, I, I point that out to say, like, all right, so that he directed this movie, Rare Exports, and that. The producer was uh, Agnes B., among a few others, but I guess she's the main producer. She, uh, now apparently a lot of these people have, uh, they might all be huge successes in Finland for all I know. Huge stars over there, but, like, not many of them have things that they, that here in the U.S. we would know. This producer, though, she uh, was the executive producer on uh, that James Franco movie called spring breakers that came out a few years ago oh yeah um yeah which i have you have you seen that either you've seen that movie i don't think so it had like uh, i'm I'm thinking of uh never mind no i'm thinking of something else it had like selena gomez uh a couple other you know like younger actresses that you know that are real popular these days was that the one directed by the guy that did kids or the producer of kids or something uh now i'm gonna have to look it up as we're talking but like (laughs) I've actually seen this movie, and that movie is weird as hell. Um, <laughs> hold on, I got it right here. It is directed by Harmony Corinne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, he wrote Kids, I believe, or produced it as well or something. <laughs> yeah, he was the writer of Kids. But that, yeah. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to discourage you from going and watching it. I'm just going to tell you that that movie is weird as hell. Um, <laughs> James Franco, Vanessa Hudgens, Selena Gomez, a few others. It's not horrible. It's just weird. You know, it's not exactly what you would expect from, uh, the people that are in that movie. Um, but anyways, but kind of what you might would expect from the writer of kids and gummo. <laughs> true. True. Now that you say that, yeah, I did well, back when I saw that movie a few years ago, I didn't know that connection. So now it's making more. Oh sense. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being a teenager and, and kids was just like, wow, you know? So then, then, uh, what was the second one? Gummo mm-hmm. comes yeah. out. And it's just like, uh, yep, not. Did, didn't follow up for me. <laughs> so yeah, so there's your connection to kids there with Agnes B, all the way all the way down the line. So it stars Oni Tamila as Pitari. He's the little kid that you know is like the, basically the main kid in this movie. He was also in the movie Big Game with Samuel L. Jackson. It stars Jorma Tamila 
as Rauno, which is the uh, Pitari's father. He also was in the movie Big Game. Now, based on... What was that name again, Josh? Before I finish? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the kid's kid's real name is Oni Tamila, and the father's real name is Jorma Tamila. So I'm going to assume that maybe they're related, but I don't know that. I couldn't find any official word that, like, this is father and son, grandfather and grandson. I have no idea. Mm Mm-hmm nephew uncle i have no idea but you know they have last the same last name so that may or may not be the case um it also stars rauno juvenin as pilparanen <laughs> he's one of the guys you know that helps them you know toward the end one, one of the dad's friends yeah. or whatever the guy that wore the sunglasses i believe the glasses yeah, yeah the they also sunglasses Those are bad. he was also <laughs> in a movie called big game uh <laughs> 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 and uh, Tommy Corpola as Aimo, who's the other guy that kind of comes in a little bit later on. He was not in Big Games, <laughs> so it ended with him. <laughs> he got left out. He's like, <laughs> yeah. So apparently that's just like, uh, all right, well, let's just take the uh, half or over half the cast of Rare Exports and slide them into the Samuel L. Jackson movie. <laughs> Weird, but it is well, you know, I guess the the common denominator there is John Merrill Hellander, so. They must have some history, and I and I do believe there was some other things that had to do with these these guys, like there was a movie called The Christmas Party, from 1996. So apparently, like this is a crew, this is somewhat of a crew of people that kind of run in the same circles. Is what I'm gathering here. So, <laughs> so it's I, like the Super Trooper crew, I guess, of Finland, the Super Trooper <laughs> group of Finland. They have a name too, right? It's the, the only Trooper. only movie they where do. you get to hear Samuel L. Jackson say "motherfucker" in Finnish. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't know if he speaks Finnish or English. I assume they speak English. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that. Now we have to go see Big Game because there's too many connections here. Like, <laughs> I, I want to see the yeah. cast of Rare Exports and Big Game, uh, which that movie might be scarier than this one for all I know. I mean. <laughs> Because I don't know if, I mean, like, that's the other thing, too, that I wanted to point out. Like, this movie is, uh, I saw somewhere it was listed as, like, a, a action, comedy, horror, which I thought was a weird combination. But it, it is kind of appropriate, too, because, like, it didn't necessarily feel like a horror movie to me. You know, through and through, at least. There are horror aspects to yeah, it, I guess. Yeah. But Yeah, I think it just had that dark, that, well, that original folklore fairy tale aspect, which is inherently has horror mixed in with it all anyways, mm-hmm. but not fully horror. Yeah. But I don't necessarily see the comedy either. You know, like, I think it's just as much comedy as it is horror, if anything, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. or action for that matter. I mean, it was a little bit more yeah. serious. It honestly was a little bit more yeah. serious than I thought it was going to be, just my opinion. And it had that fan- you know, fantasy a- aspect too, I guess. I guess that kind of gives it its dark humor, I guess. True. Yeah, well, I did see somewhere where they kind of list it as like a dark comedy kind of thing. So I guess, you know, that kind of falls in line. Yeah. So it, it's it's definitely hard to classify this one as anything in particular, but, you know, they don't always have to be. But just for our sakes of this podcast, you know, where we've generally done horror movies, I don't know if this one necessarily fits it entirely, but, you know, it works enough. So we'll go with it. I couldn't find anything on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. I don't know if they've just, and they, and they, there was really no page for it or anything. But on uh, IMDb, it has 6.7 stars out of 10. And that's with over 24,000 ratings. And a, a meta score of 71 with 18 critic reviews. So uh, overall, that's pretty good. You know, pretty good numbers for it. I guess that was about it, though, as far as uh, the information that I had. I mean, did, were you guys able to find anything else that I failed to mention? No, that was, that was about it for me because, I, like I said, I looked up Big Game because I had that 
<laughs> that something in the back of my head that was like about you know Samuel L. Jackson as a president in some movie, and I wouldn't have even been able to tell you what the name of that movie was or anything. So that connection was kind of cool of of looking hit you know looking on IMDb seeing what the director of other movies was, and it was a big game reading that synopsis and like there it is. <laughs> so I had that in the back of my head somewhere. I just couldn't couldn't pull out what the title of the movie was or if I even saw the trailer or if somebody or I've just heard that Samuel L. Jackson played the president in some movie or what, but. <laughs> now I have the name of the movie, so we're gonna have, yeah we'll have to watch a big game at some point. So Maybe not you, necessarily for the show, but see now right. you know that all the information that we have from this point forward is about the movie Big Game. We just yeah. we just decided to change up in the middle of this and watch Big Game. Now before this though, when I saw these uh, saw this movie back in I don't know 2011 or 12 or whenever I first saw it, I don't think I ever looked into anything at that point. Of course, he didn't make Big Game until 2014 anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I I was aware of the short film, and I might have even watched the short film back then. But don't remember, you know, saw it once maybe on YouTube back in, when this movie first came out. Yeah, Other so than this, that, I don't remember ever looking up anything or seeing anything else by this director. So. Yeah, so this was clearly like a pet project they had on the burner for a while. I mean, that was from, the short film was from 03, the other one was from 05, and this was in 2010. So what's that, about seven or eight years they probably spent yeah. just on this concept alone. Um, so it's clearly a... a a personal project for them. Now remember for you, the listeners of the all American spook show podcast, audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, smoke you, uh, I, I, I think you said you've been taking advantage of it. What you've been listening to, uh, right now I'm currently listening to Dawn of the Jedi, which was a, one of the star Wars novels, actually the chronological order. It's the first one, some 20 or 30,000 years before the battle of Yavin. And it's one of those audiobooks that has the soundtrack music and spe- and sound effects and everything in it, which is cool. Enjoying it so far. I haven't listened to a bunch of audiobooks myself, but I don't know how often that is, like in an audiobook, that they do a bunch of music and sound effects and stuff like that. Like, the, the few that I've listened to, I don't think there was any, like, other than whoever was reading it doing different voices and stuff like that. I don't mm. think there was any music, any grand music or sound effects or anything, so that's... That's a pretty cool thing for the Star Wars books to do. Yeah, Will, I really might know a little bit more about that, too, as far as the Star Wars. I know that's the only one I've ever heard with the effects and music and cues and everything in it are the Star Wars. One. I'm sure there's probably I, maybe some other ones out there. I have listened to about seven or eight Star Wars books now, and all of them have that. I got that to look forward to, because I'm definitely, definitely going to listen to some more after this. I, I, I think it really adds to it, and I think, I know, I think Will might have mentioned this, that some people, or that, you know, somebody that maybe doesn't necessarily like the sound effects, but I don't know, you know, they may have other Star Wars novels. I'm not sure that don't have that, but I, I really find that that sound effects and the music kind of adds to the experience. Um, I'll just list off a few other books you can try with your uh, free audio, you know, your free audible trial at audibletrial.com slash spook show. Um, you have the guardians by John Grisham. Th- these are just some of the hotter books right now uh, on the top 100. Uh, a minute to midnight by David Baldacci, Baldacci, uh, the silent patient by Alex Michaelidis, the Chemist by Stephanie Meyer, The Institute by Stephen King, that's his latest novel, uh, Blue Moon by Lee Child, In the Heart of the Fire by Dean Koontz. So uh, plenty to choose from um, with your, uh, your free Audible trial. Um, so to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. It's intermission, it's intermission. It's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade, too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The Pie Boys Pop 
your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the Snack Bar. Alright, so I guess with that being said, we can uh, go ahead and uh, get into the old play-by-play uh, -play for the film here. So it starts with a countdown that says like 24 days to Christmas. And then, uh, so you see there's like a, a drill team or something, like a, a research team that's drilling for like core samples like down in this uh, mountaintop of the Corvatenturi Mountains. It says in some of the notes that I put here, the Corvatenturi Mountains are in the Finnish province of Lapland. Um, so if that will put uh, some geographical perspective, you know, where this is at. Then you, there's two boys kind of sitting over in the corner, like, you know, hiding behind some pallets or something and watching this happen. Basically, like, they come up with a sample of like sawdust or something. And they said they've hit some ice up underneath it. And they take it to the uh, the lead, I guess the lead over the project, the guy that's funding this. I'm not sure exactly what his role is, but I'm thinking he's the guy that's like funding this whole thing. And his name's Riley. They take it to him and then he gives them like, I thought it was kind of funny how he gives them like these, this new list of safety instructions where it says like, <laughs> no drinking, no smoking, no cursing. Make sure you wash behind <laughs> your ears and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he obviously has some inside information on, on what, uh, you know, what they're digging for. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then it becomes clear to the uh, to Riley that it's an ancient ancient burial mound built to conceal and imprison something. And like I said, the two boys uh, who uh, turn out to be Juso and Pitari, which you know basically end up being your two main boys of the whole film, um, they're watching him and they're kind of eavesdropping on this. <clears throat> and then they take off uh, to uh, Juso's nearby snowmobile and they're kind of arguing back and forth about like whether Santa Claus is real or not. You know, Juso's saying Patari's being a little baby, you know, like, Santa's not real, whatever. And then you see Patari come home. Um, well, well, actually, before they go home, like, you can see the team up on top of the mountain as they look back that they use some explosives. So there's this huge explosion up there that, you know, they're trying to, they're starting to dig. Uh, Patari goes home and he start, and you see him reading some books. And it's about, like, the folklore of Santa Claus, which is like, like we said before, like the old school folklore of you know him being like a horned demon almost who would come and uh beat and eat kids and stuff and bowls them in cauldrons and stuff like that you know and then you see and at the, this point I, i'm i'm seeing this and i'm thinking all right so his dad's clearly got to be like some kind of a historian you mean that he had uh, <laughs> because of all the books up in the attic <laughs> because all the books about about this demon santa claus <laughs> <laughs> maybe his dad's uh w was once like the dad from the goonies where he's got all this old cool shit in the in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He just likes to uh, slaughter reindeer. No, yeah, he's a reindeer slaughterer. <laughs> By the way, is that common in Finland? Or is that just for this movie, like, that they slaughter reindeer? I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, was, well, the way it was in the movie is what, that they were, that was their income for the year, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's they would, yeah I guess, harvest his reindeer meat or whatever and sell it or, and they would make, so much money a year on doing that. Yeah, they put like but the yeah, number. I don't know like, if that's the custom. I guess up in in Lapland or wherever. Or, yeah, I guess they what? put they put like the number of like eighty five thousand dollars is the debt. Yeah, that's owed yeah, or something like that. A little bit later mm -hmm. on, three separate families can live on eighty five thousand dollars a year. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's just amazing. These, that's just these three. I mean, remember in that scene where <laughs> there's a bunch of like people gathered around the uh, like the electric fence thing. There's a lot yeah. more than three oh, families yeah. hanging around. Yeah, and true. obviously with these true. kids and stuff that you see later on. Um, so then you see the countdown that says one day to Christmas. And uh, Pitari's father, Ranau, you see him, uh, I guess that's how you pronounce it, hell if I know, Ranau, Ranau? we'll just go with that. Ronald, we'll go with that. <laughs> Ronnie! Ron <laughs> 
Pitari's father, <laughs> Renal, digs a trap pit in the yard, and he, like, hangs a pig head up above it. I guess it's, like, bait. Um, and it's to protect the remaining reindeer in case of wolves. So, like, you know, they have a wolf problem, I guess, is what you're assuming, you know, up to this point. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes uh, Pitari's upstairs asleep, and he wakes him up by throwing a snowball at the window. It's kind of like your little jump scare, like, Bleh! you know. And then he tells him to get dressed and uh, prepare for uh, rounding up the reindeer herd with the other herders down at the electric reindeer pen. <laughs> so this is uh, <laughs> something that they do over there in Lapland. They just, let's all get together and go down to the electric reindeer pen. Um, That's the code word for it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> God knows what happens down at the electric reindeer pen. <laughs> what happens in the electric reindeer pen stays in the electric reindeer pen. <laughs> in Lapland. <laughs> in Lapland, yeah. <laughs> so then like they're all waiting for some reindeer to come up over the hill and then there's like two little skinny reindeer runts that just kind of <laughs> just kind of come up over the hill and then they're all disappointed so they go and check and see what the hell's going on this is weird and then they find like i, I guess they said like hundreds but at least like dozens of re- uh, d- reindeer dead like out by this fence that's uh beside the uh corventanturi mountain yeah. you know kind of underneath uh, where yeah. they're doing this research up on top Hold on, I can I jump back for a second? Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, I, I was expecting to see, like, wranglers, like, bringing them in. Like, the, it looked like the reindeers just made their way, and they were just going to randomly run up this hill and go into a fence. <laughs> into the fence. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, they've yeah, done Yeah, I this. guess they didn't think that through yet. This was the first year they were trying the old trick pen, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> well, they've done this for so long that, like, you know, it's like the... Uh, the lemmings, you know, the reindeer just know to come to this certain spot every year. Maybe that's, you know, that's what kind of I, I went Something with. Something else be the older, like, like if they if they had not died, the reindeer had been killed or whatever, would they have, would probably just would have all ran around the electric pen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there again, like, like how would they know to go in there? Because aren't they getting slaughtered? Look, you don't know the Finnish ways, clearly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was 2010, man. It was 2010. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't even blame 1985 for this. It's uh, this is this is 2010 shenanigans. So, anyways, they go and find the uh, there's like dozens of not hundreds of dead deer or uh, reindeer. You know, they're all tore up and everything. So, so what they assume is like the explosions and stuff that have been going on have driven the wolves in the area crazy, and like they believe that the wolves have killed all these reindeer. So, like they're kind of looking at the reindeer or whatever, and then Patari's over kind of off to the side. He's doing his own little investigation, and he's convinced that it's not the wolves that did this, he's convinced that it's got something to do with Santa Claus and what they were doing up there and the research thing. And then the other kid, Juso, you know, remember they had, they had kind of cut a hole in this fence and went up there and, you know, to eavesdrop and see what the researchers were doing. He warns them not to tell anybody that they had cut that hole in the, in the fence because this is where they believe the wolves came from, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he warned them, hey, don't, don't you say a fucking word or I'll, you know, I'll wrap you upside the head or whatever. So then the groups, you know, the group of guys are like, man, fuck this. Let's go up there and talk to them about this because this is, you know, they, they like demand retribution. This is bullshit. So they uh, go through the fence and they go on or, you know, they shoot the fence open, I should say, and they go on up. And uh, to the, the name of the company up there, what you find is called the Sub-Zero Company on the top of the hill. And uh, they find a big pit that's at least like, you know, like hundreds of meters deep. And uh, no trace of anyone that was, like, any of the Sub-Zero researchers. They're, none of them are around. <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that uh, when the guy gave the speech earlier in the movie, there was, like, eight workers. Now, fast forward uh, 23 days, and there is the biggest hole 
in the earth that <laughs> <laughs> goes forever down, and clearly eight well, guys did that. Well, a few good drills and some dynamite, man. I don't know. You can make a pretty big hole. <laughs> you know what you're doing. So, yeah, there's no trace of any of these uh, researchers or any of these workers up there, but it looks like they've brought something up. Like, clearly, like, they've dug, and they have found what they were looking for, and they brought something up. So they go on home, and then there's, like, this long, like, the dad of uh, 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 father and son, Patari and uh, Ranao, they have like this kind of a long, depressing conversation. Like, what ha- what would happen if I was just wasn't here anymore? You know, <laughs> and the dad's like crying and shit. Like, it's a pretty depressing little moment here. <laughs> yeah, because the dad is saying all of the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> what What would you think if if I weren't around anymore? Well, you shouldn't be around. Go to bed. Yeah, he would put it in such a way like, Damn. you shouldn't be here. You should be in bed. That's <laughs> like the old, he's dead. What? Dead tired of being. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get, I guess they, I don't, I guess they don't say what happened to the mom, right? But the mom obviously died because they're like lighting candles for her at the table. Yeah. And I'm yeah. guessing that's why the whole depressing atmosphere is there because. The yeah, that and, that and the fact that this, you know, that, that they were waiting for the big reindeer crop <laughs> to come to come running over the hill, yeah. and then it, when it didn't show up, clearly the dad's uh, he's in the, he's in the shits now, you know, because of this. Yeah, um, he's just one step away from crawling in the bottle, right? It just hasn't ha- you just haven't seen it <laughs> yeah, happen. Yeah. But instead, he just burns gingerbread. And boy, there's some. By the way, there's some gingerbread eating fools, right? Like, is that because like that's all they have to eat, or just? <laughs> or just in Lapland, they just eat the fuck out of some gingerbread because that's all they were eating. I guess they what were down. It? Is that what he was burning to? Did he burn gingerbread? I don't know what the hell. It, it kind of yeah, like I think a, that's all they ate through well, the entire movie. <laughs> but I, I don't know whether that's what he burned or not, but I'm just going to assume it's gingerbread because, like you said, that's all they ate. <laughs> it's almost like the last movie, Home Sweet Home, where they did nothing but eat peas, even though they had a whole dinner table full of other food. Let's just focus in on the peas. At least, at least in That's this scenario, the crew too. The crew, they're like, you know, we don't have that much money to pay you, but we're gonna pay you in shitload of gingerbread. Duckle. Yeah, all right, well, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> By the way, that was kind of a Mexican uh, accent. I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they probably didn't have. Uh, you know, I'm not going any further. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that, that was supposed to be Mexican. I thought it was almost a little touch of Italian. <laughs> okay, all right. Yes, it's Strasse. Oh, yes, it's Strasse. Okay, now I get you. You changed nothing about the inflection of what you said, but now I understand. <laughs> Anyway, so they they have this depressing conversation over gingerbread. And <laughs> as one does. Yeah, as they do in Lapland. And, uh, oh, and then it's like, uh, this was kind of, because it's basically the only kind of scene like this that I felt was kind of out of place. It cuts back to the, like, the, the men back on top of the research mountain or, you know, doing the research on the mountain. And then, like, the dude says something like on the walkie-talkie, he cusses or something, and all of a sudden, like, like all the workers just disappear and their helmets fly up in there or something. So was <laughs> was that a flashback or was that like because you know clearly they'd went up there and there was no trace of anybody. So were you going? Did they just insert this scene to show were, you what were happened? Were they there or were they at the airport hangar? I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. Like this, I, was I the, got the feeling that it was the hangar. Thought, yeah, I was thinking. I was feeling that. Was and but I mean I know it wasn't you know, Santa Claus or anything because you know we haven't of course gotten to that point in the movie but I mean as you were watching it it's only led to believe that it's um, 
I don't know. Me, well, we haven't gotten to that point yet, <laughs> so I guess I won't give away. I don't, it's yet. just the, the the geography but, of things. I think it kept throwing me off, like the research site versus the hangar. Yeah, yeah. I think they did do a little bit of like maybe it was an editing editing of the writing. Some things didn't flow together well. <laughs> yeah, as far as that the timeline, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly. I just figured maybe this was a flashback or not. But maybe you're right. Maybe this was at the hangar, and you kind of see. <clears throat> you know something weird is going on now right i guess is what you know showing what they're showing you there um then mm. it goes to that little countdown clock that you've seen a couple of times it says zero days till christmas so now you're basically on like uh christmas eve morning so Pita- uh, pitari gets grounded for uh putting a reindeer trap inside the fireplace <laughs> like <laughs> he puts like a damn bear <laughs> trap in. <laughs> <laughs> and but you i guess you don't see this happen and the dad's like throwing wood in there to start the day's fire you know to warm it up warm the house up and well pow you know and then holy shit i could have been immediately killed. cuts real quick right upstairs to yeah first you think you don't know what happened like something did something come down the chimney mm-hmm. like uh you know santa or whatever <laughs> The evil Santa's coming down the chimney. Something we've all said in our lives. Uh oh, Dad found the bear trap in the fireplace. <laughs> um, so, th- like I said, this is the morning of Christmas Eve, and then they go out and they realize he goes out to take a leak. Pitari does, and he notices that that pig head that was hanging over the trap is gone. So, uh, this trap has worked. So he calls his dad. They come out and look, and uh, there's no wolf down in there, but they they do find a a, a man. Someone there's a dude down there. But he doesn't want Patari to see this, so he kind of uh, calls his friend, you know, gets his help from his friend Piparine, uh, which, I, once again, I'm sure I'm murdering that guy's name. Sun, but, sunglasses, dude. Yeah, sunglass guy, Piparine. Pe- pe- pepperoni. Uh, <laughs> we'll call him Pepperoni. Yeah. Wait, now he's speaking Italian again. <laughs> I'm all confused. <laughs> pepperoni comes over, and he, he brings, like, a burlap sack, and uh, he helps uh, Renal take the... Uh, the body out of there and then they they put it in uh, his reindeer slaughterhouse and uh it, it's like a skinny old man and they put him on like the slaughterhouse table there and like they're like what do we do about this like well that trap's illegal so like we don't want to get in trouble all right fuck, let's just cut his corpse up and dispose of him <laughs> <laughs> it seems like By the way, there, there's a there's a wolf problem out in the middle of freaking nowhere <laughs> so it's illegal to kill the wolves they they keep talking about these wolves, but you notice you never see one wolf in this entire movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. it would have served them good to get a couple of like at least some wolf footage from the Finnish <laughs> Film Institute and slot it in here at least. You know. <laughs> well, see, that's foreshadowing for uh, Santa Claus. <clears throat> what what's that? That, that there's wolf <laughs> trouble. Not showing what you're expecting. <laughs> I guess, but <laughs> I mean, at least you need a little bit of a, 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 a you know a. A distraction from like look over here look over here ha ha it wasn't that the whole time you know but you never see the wolves they realize that the guy's still alive like he jerks his like they they grab his arm like about to put him on the saw and he kind of pulls his arm back and then uh he kind of does the sniff you know like the, the old man like he smells something and then you see uh patari's then climbed up in the window and he's looking down um so clearly like he smelled the kid right yeah. so uh because like i said we we're <laughs> at this point in the movie we we're you know, we're, I guess, led to believe on a certain thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so his father sees him in the window, and then uh, uh, Pitari runs off, and he runs down like the end of the road. The dad gets in the car, kind of, you know, to go after him. Mm-hmm. And then the cops pass by, or a cop car passes by, and Pitari gets in there with him. And then the father uh, uh, follows him. Uh, they eventually reach a village. 
<clears throat> where uh, you know the cop uh, gets out because there's been something going on, and then they hear of the the other villagers have uh, had their potato sacks stolen. So like they like just dumped the potatoes out and took the sacks. <laughs> um, they've all had like their heaters and their hair dryer or pepperoni's Stoves. wife. <laughs> Pepperoni's wife's hair dryer has been, you know, stolen, which is, I guess, is a high-end item in the village. <laughs> um, At least in Russia. Yeah, yeah. He says, this is high-end technology in Russia. I'm sure those types of things are luxury items in places like that for sure. Um, but, yeah, like, they notice all these things have gotten miss gone missing. Then uh, as they're talking about this, Patari goes off to find Juso, you know, his friend Juso, who's uh, Pepperoni's son. <laughs> and uh, he goes into the house, and uh, he's gone. You know, he's not in the bed, but there's like a, a straw man, like a straw boy in the bed in his place. So like, hmm, what the fuck? You know, the, the, the mystery deepens. So Pipperine, Pepperoni teases. So he's back. He's he's left with the uh, the old man back at the slaughterhouse. So like he's standing there eating a piece of gingerbread as they, you know, love to do there. <clears throat> and he starts teasing the old man with it. Kind of gets up close to him like, you know, like, I'm going to give you a piece. Nope, pull him back. And all of a sudden the old man reaches up and bites his ear off. You don't actually see it happen, but, you know, he kind of raises up, and then once they come back, you realize that he's going to bit his damn ear off, which he's very nonchalant about, right? Like, when they show back up, like, he's just kind of dabbing at his ear, like, damn, that hurt. But his ear's gone. <laughs> he's like, it's kind of like to be expected when you fuck with somebody's gingerbread and laugh them. <laughs> they take and he fell down in a uh, pit of spears, and it's still alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know, well, still, he's very nonchalant about his ear being gone. I mean, like. You would think he'd be like out there screaming and running around and more blood, but now it's just kind of like a little bloody, bloody mess is there, and he's just kind of dabbing at it. Like, damn, I wouldn't go in there, you know. Well, this happened. Yeah, <laughs> look what he did to my ear. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, that dude was was really worried about getting out, and, and within an hour of pulling up at that place, and as the movie goes on, he just never left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at first he was ready to go do his little Santa Claus gig or whatever the hell he was doing, right? Yeah. And yeah. I guess the uh, the novelty of that wore off pretty quick with all the uh, murder, you know, possible murdering going on. <laughs> Playing the ear biting off. Yeah. I can't go to work now. <laughs> the Santa the Santa gig's <laughs> over now. I got, I got no ear. <laughs> the kids will know. Damn. So they show they all show up. He shows them like, damn, look what he did to my ear, you know, and but they still go on in. And then they're kind of discussing what they want to do. And Patari goes in the house and he calls his friends on the telephone. He's got like a little list of all of his friends and he's calling one by one. And he realizes they're all they're He realizes, you know, that they're all missing. So then it goes back to them, like in there with the old man and they're like poking him with a broomstick and stuff. And he's kind of not reacting until, uh, Patari calls for his dad outside. He comes out and he, and he asks his dad to spank him for everything. And I guess he kind of spills the beans. Like we're the one that, <laughs> We're the one that uh, cut the fence open and everything. We started this stuff, so I, I'm. I, he says something like, "I, uh, I deserve a good smacking <laughs> for everything that <laughs> we've done." I think fifteen will do. So, <laughs> because <laughs> he believes that you know what they did is drawn this to happen. They're you know they're having this discussion and they're interrupted when they start yelling and he says, "Come in here, you got to see this old man." And the old man's kind of like uh, kind of down in the corner. And once again, they're like, "Look what he did! He like broke this stick in half or something like that." You know, like. So clearly it's like some shit's going on here. Then when uh, they're, they're kind of staring at him like, what the hell? You know, then Patari walks in and the old man kind of stands up and notices him, looks over, kind of, you know, smirks at him or whatever. And uh, you can tell like he senses that the, there's a there's a boy in there and, you know, that the boy is in there. And then they realize like that, that the dude's coming for Patari. 
So they kind of protect them from being harmed. You know, they kind of push them away. They grab a hold of them, I guess, and like tie them up and then like chain them up and hang them from the ceiling. And that's when they uh, get like a, a, I guess, a call on the little radio that they had from the research team or whatever. And they tell them that they have found Santa Claus. So they go ahead and dress him up in a pepperoni Santa, Santa outfit. He was going to do the Santa gig. He happened to have a Santa outfit. So they dress him up in there and they, they put him in a cage and then the back of the truck and then take him to the, uh, the air base there. Would you say it was the hangar or whatever? Yeah. There, <clears throat> and they're going to meet Riley. And then uh, Riley comes, you know, they show it to him. And then Riley says, oh, this isn't, this isn't Santa Claus, but that's one of his helpers, his elves. And that they, uh, they can't behave rudely. Like, you know, they, they should uh, watch what they say. And what does he say? Like, put your weapons down and put a big smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Because now, now he realizes Santa's watching or whatever, right? And then uh, one of them uh, says a cuss word or something. And then the, uh, the other elves start showing up. And they're basically just a bunch of old naked dudes with beards, like, <laughs> coming up out of the woods. <laughs> and, they, of course, they kill the lights. And then they, they take down the, uh, the helicopter pilot, and then they kill Riley. Um, before the all the all the three men and Patari, they run into the hangar, which is Hangar Twenty Four, right? Which that was another little subplot there. Like so, like Patari had like this little chocolate advent carrot calendar or something in his room, and oh uh, yeah. yeah, and like he refused to like open up number twenty four. Like he put a piece of tape on it, then he yeah, stapled he it. Scotch tape, right? Staples. His... Uh, yeah, obviously it eventually alludes to this, right? This Hangar Twenty Four is where they've got. Uh, the big Santa or whatever, but you know, the beast, whatever, you know, it's about to be revealed. But like, what did that have? To, was that just to allude to that? I mean, like, why would he not open well, I think that? It was also because he was scared of all Christmas? that stuff. He was digging up on Santa, the evil Santa. Like he didn't want Christmas to come at that point. He's trying to keep it from. Okay. So maybe that, yeah, he's just scared. So that's, that's what I was it. guessing at too. And then, yeah, like you're saying that it, it was kind of like that foreshadowing or alluding to that hangar yeah, because as well. Once they, once they kind of show that wide shot of the hangar and it's got the big 24 on it, you instantly go back to that. Oh yeah. That advent yeah. You know, thing. Yeah. The calendar. <clears throat> so they run into the hangar 24 and they close the door and then they turn around and then they see this enormous, horned monster beast thing that you don't really see all that well other than the horn sticking out of the ice but it's in a huge block of ice and all those missing heaters and and everything from uh town are all like surrounding it and they're melting the ice and then underneath that or you know in between all that are all the little missing kids from the village or from the town and they're all in burlap sacks so there's all the missing stuff like they were taking the potato sacks to put the kids in taking the heaters to melt the ice so Super Santa could come back and kill everybody, right? <laughs> or kill all the kids, including the uh, the, uh, uh, the missing kid, Juso, you know, uh, Patari's friend. He's in there, too. So then they're, uh, they're attacked by the elves, and then uh, they're trying to break into the hangar. And then uh, they all try to, like, they all start disconnecting the heaters and pushing them up against the door to block the doors, and then Patari gets an idea. So the the uh, the idea is basically to gather the children, put uh leave them like I guess leave them in the sacks or whatever, put them in this huge net. Pepperoni goes out, <laughs> gets the helicopter. They come and like uh, scoop up the net and then fly them away with Patari hanging onto the net. I guess to attract the uh, the elves away from uh, from Santa. This is what clearly they spent most of their budget on this scene too. Like. <laughs> You know, on the uh, the helicopter scene with the, the elves running and whatever. By the way, can I point out how convenient it is that these guys live on eighty five thousand dollars a year? 
One of them is uh, clearly a certified helicopter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's an English translator. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're really missing out on opportunities. He knows. <laughs> he at least knows enough on how to crank up the helicopter and get it off the ground. I wouldn't even be able to do that. So he has he has a, a base of knowledge that most don't for sure. Oh, yeah. It was an automatic. It was okay. Oh, okay. Automatic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have yeah, known. Yeah, it was a stick shift. You would have been in trouble, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's kind of the plan is like, take the kids away so that drives the elves away and then they uh uh Ranau and the other guy Aimo they're able to stay there and like stick like there's a bunch of explosives sitting in the corner by the way uh they're able to drill holes in the ice and like pop all these explosives into the side of it also too like it only looked like you know maybe a, a few a couple of two to three dozen elves standing outside right like kind of had come creeping out of the woods like these naked old dudes. Mm. But then mm. in that scene with the helicopter, it looks like hundreds of them. Yeah, it's then turned into ants. Yeah, like there's just like it, it, all of a sudden it's like World War Z, except it's creepy old elves, right? <laughs> but then by the time they get but to... naked old white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd hear butt naked old white dudes today, but... <laughs> You win Here the show. That was a that was an interesting casting call that there. <laughs> yeah, we need we need skinny <laughs> dudes. Of <laughs> we need skinny, uh, really old, skinny Santa Clausish uh, dudes that don't mind getting naked. Uh, <laughs> and it's not a porno. I promise you, it's not a porno. <laughs> oh, 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 that's for me. <laughs> um, so they he kind of like takes the kids in the helicopter. And then eventually he holds them over the, like the electric uh, uh, reindeer. Uh, what do we call it? the electric reindeer pen or whatever? <laughs> yeah, he's holding them so over that. On the electric reindeer fence. And then Patari jumps down and like cuts the fence on or whatever. So the point is to like draw the elves in and we'll lock them into this uh, electric fence <laughs> thing. Yeah, but that, it's a one way trip. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess he didn't tell them that part of the uh, of the yeah. plan, right? It's like basically he's he's going to jump down there and be the bait for the elves. So you know they're you know they're going to mess him up and then that's it for him right <laughs> hold on hold on to catch a predator <laughs> <laughs> in an electric reindeer pen <laughs> electric reindeer. forget mike's hard lemonade it's just one dude and one little kid standing in a pen you put a little boy in an electric fence <laughs> all the pervs come a running <laughs> who was that guy from Line? he's over in the corner it. Excuse me, sir. Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> it's got a school thing there. Chris Hansen. Hi. Could you go ahead and sit yeah, down right now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all 100. <laughs> sit down. You can leave that Mike's hard lemonade there on the counter. Come and have a seat. <laughs> what were you doing here tonight? <laughs> well, I was, I, I'm not going to do anything. I, just, I was taking him back to Santa Claus. I just coming to do. Who oh, and take off running? <laughs> <clears throat> Did I ask what you're going to do with all this gingerbread? So. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, uh, uh, the two guys, you know, the Rano and a uh, Aimo, they detonate the explosives. And well, actually, before they detonate the explosives and blow it, blow up Santa Claus, um, they cut his horns off. So I guess is that like proof that this happened? Uh, <laughs> did they do that for a trophy? I mean, what was necessarily the reason for that? I, I didn't. Yeah, because <laughs> I was thinking, all right, they're going to sell that, and make a shit ton of money. No. <laughs> No, no, it turns out, you know, they, they devise a whole other thing, you know, to end this movie with. But I guess the horns were just trophies. I don't know. But either way, they they climb up this huge ladder and saw the tro uh, the uh, horns off and take them out, load them in the truck. Driving away, they detonate the explosives and blow Santa all to hell. And this is the part where I was disappointed, man. Like, yeah, you're leading up the entire movie to seeing Santa Claus. 
<laughs> like I said, they spent their budget on the helicopter scene. <laughs> Clearly, but <laughs> I, I don't understand the, the the making of this movie at this point now. <laughs> like uh, uh, up to this point, I'm like, all right, this actually isn't a bad movie, but I gotta see I gotta see Santa Claus. Yeah, no, you never. I gotta do. have more cowbell, but not. <laughs> I gotta have more Santa Claus. Baby. <laughs> I baked this whole sheet of gingerbread for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The first time I saw sheet. this movie, it was that too. It was that it is. A, it's leading up. It's kind of anticlimactic when you're leading up to that point, and you do you really want to see him come out of that ice, even if he gets yeah. defeated, whatever is going to happen to him. Even if it's just, and yeah, that's where I, I was a little disappointed. The first time I saw it, I was disappointed with that part too. Even if it's just briefly, just to see how they got him, you know, because mm-hmm. you never really see what just the look see what is. It looks like too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, you're cheated at that moment because they blow them all to hell. But <laughs> The thing is, like, as the elves are coming into the uh, electric reindeer pen, you know, about to converge on Patari, uh, once Santa's killed... <laughs> Who doesn't that, seem upset, by the way. No, nah, he's kind of given... <laughs> he's resigned to his fate since since his, uh, he says his dad didn't really want him around anymore, you know, during the depressing gingerbread-eating contest they had. Um, <laughs> and, and all these uh, old naked men seem to be really excited to run towards him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're they're converging Get on him. Get your musty ass back over here. <laughs> they're converging on little Patari there, and then all of a sudden, like that connection that they had with Santa. Now that he's they they blew him up. Boom, that's over, and they just kind of like, well, we've got no reason to exist. Uh, what, you, what else you doing tonight, Frank? I don't know. Anybody want to put some pants on? They just kind of, they all just kind of, maybe, you know, maybe stop. at least some underwear. <laughs> they all just kind of stop in their tracks and, uh, that's it really. I mean, uh, then like, you know, eventually, obviously they return the kids to the home. So like the aftermath is like, uh, they decide to basically start a business with these elves. <laughs> so, uh, then you see like, uh, you know, like, I guess they basically, they put a price on it. Like that's worth like 16.8 million at $85,000 a piece or whatever, which I don't know where they're getting this. Uh, this valuation at like you know like <laughs> the one dude that might have been willing to pay this uh, took an elf axe to the head you know the Riley guy <laughs> so I don't know you know but whatever <clears throat> so they decide to take all these elves and basically train them up as mall Santa so like then it goes to uh, <laughs> there's 312 days to Christmas and you show them like cleaning them off and then there's 76 <laughs> days to Christmas and uh, they're training them how to hold kids and like showing presents and everything. And then there's 24 days to Christmas, and they're like uh, slapping the logos on the boxes. And there's where you get the name of the movie, Rare Exports. <laughs> then the little logo says Rare Exports from the from the land of the original Santa Claus. And that's pretty much it. That's the credit. So that is the 2010 finished movie, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. So, Will, what's your star rating on this one? Where do you land on this one? I'm probably going to end up on a two on this one. Like, like up until about the scene of the Santa Claus, like, I was I was really with this movie. I, I was enjoying it, you know, as silly as it was. I mean, I was I was enjoying the movie, and then I guess they just run out of budget to uh, not be able to show Santa Claus. So I, I don't know. I just felt like I was cheated out of what I was looking forward to. So, uh, so what's your star rating? You said two. Two. I'm sorry, I, yeah. I missed that part. All right, uh, Smoke. What are you Where are you at on this one? Well, I follow the. I go with the three on this one. Uh, I mean, I do I do agree with Will that it was a the anticlimactic, you know, with not showing Santa Claus, I was a little disappointed that with that too the first time around. And uh, but I, even though that first time around, I still enjoyed it overall. Seeing it the second and third time, yeah, you you already know what's going to happen. You already know you're not going to see Santa Claus, so I enjoyed it more. I guess the second on the second viewing, and then 
even a little bit more on the third viewing. So it's one of those movies where I'm not don't necessarily watch it as a Christmas movie every year, but every couple of two or three years or so, I come back around to it and watch it again. So I give it a three. I think it's kind of an underrated little Christmas gem. It's something different. It's like, you know, you got all your your typical Christmas movies, your typical Christmas horror movies. This one is not fully horror. It's got that dark fantasy aspect. As we mentioned, it's got all kinds of genres in it. Uh, and if you don't mind, finish subtitles. Although some of it's in English, some of the characters are in English too. That speak English. So it's one of those types of movies where it's subtitled. Some people speak in English and whatnot. So if you don't mind that, I think it's it's interesting to pull it out once in a while and watch it around the holidays. Myself, I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to be like Will, I'm going to give it a two. Um, I could probably go a little higher than that, but I think I'm I'm think I'm good there. I think it's probably a fair little spot to put it because I it's that like I said before, it's a quick you know hour and twenty four minutes. It is it is fast. It holds your interest. There yeah, there is a little bit of disappointment not being able to see what the creature you know the the Santa creature looked like. Maybe that's maybe their intention there was like kind of the the magic of Christmas type thing so to speak quote unquote where like you know you never really see Santa right. Maybe that's what they were yeah. going for. Like, you don't actually ever see Santa, so, you know, you don't really need to see this one either. Like, you've seen enough, like, the, with the horns and everything. I guess they're they're I guess they're thinking, like, well, you know, the imagination will fill in the blanks of what this thing looks like. Meanwhile, I'm sure they just wanted to save a little bank on the budget, you know. But Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it would have cost, for sure. For sure, I'm to sure, make it convincing, yeah. it definitely would have cost a good bit. Yeah. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, as far as these types of, uh, you know, uh, Movie, uh, you know, Christmas horror movies are concerned. I mean, I, it's probably one of the better ones I've seen. Not that I've seen a, a whole hell of a bunch, but, you know, the handful that I've seen, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I guess I, I'll just stay with two. I would have, and, and also, to, that's what I was going to point out. The um, the foreign language thing, you know, the, the, the being in uh, Finnish or whatever, it didn't really bother me as much as uh, those type of movies sometimes do. You know, how you kind of like, at first, you know, when you start watching a foreign language movie, you're kind of like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to, you know, read this movie, you know. Sometimes yeah, you yeah, lose... you got to concentrate on the subtitles and you yeah. kind of miss visual cues and things. Yeah, but... sometimes <laughs> yeah. it feels like you lose some things in interpretation sometimes, you know, in certain that movies. Um, this one didn't really feel like it wasn't really bogged down by that t- too much for me. Like, I was, still yeah. a- I was still able to enjoy it, read along, understand what was going on, you know. Now, granted, this isn't like Citizen Kane where it's heavy on dialogue or something like that, you know, but... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it's not like that where you're watching some foreign movies and like there's a whole sentence of, on the screen for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to go mm-hmm. back. It probably what they were saying. This this <laughs> bothered me less than the last movie that we watched here on the on the podcast. Uh, Terrified. Remember oh, that, yeah. that one being in Spanish. Yeah. You know that one probably yeah. bothered me a little bit more. Not bothered, but you know what I mean. It was kind of in the way a little bit more than this one was in my opinion. But yeah, I don't think it held it back from, you know, me enjoying it any more or less because of that for sure. I think I enjoyed it for what it was, whether, you know, that being said, I think if you took this plot or, you know, you took this movie, remade it somewhat, you know, for an American audience, maybe with at least one or two known actors and maybe fix the end where you actually get to see the creature or something. I think this would be a movie that would be on a lot more people's list to watch at Christmas time. Because, you know, it's not even, because we, like we said, it's not overtly anything. It's not overtly horror or anything like that. So, like, you could technically sit down and watch this with your kid if you wanted to. I mean, there's nothing, nothing extreme in this movie, right? You know, so. Well, except for maybe a little bit of the full frontal male genitalia. You just tell But Josh wasn't against that, apparently. So. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh... <laughs> 
I don't know what kind of movies you guys show your kids, but uh, I'm all in. Feel my little elfiness. It's okay. All right, I stand corrected. Other than the full grown ass old man, full frontal nudity, there wasn't anything else. And you know, like it's not like severed heads yeah, flying yeah. around. You get what I'm saying, right? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly, that was uh, just because of the uh, uh, the culture difference there. You know, where like nudity is far yeah, more accepted. Yeah you know, in movies and TV over there than it is, you know, here in the U.S. So I'm sure that had to do with that. But other <laughs> other than that, <laughs> I'm going to be showing the kids. <laughs> Avert your eyes for the last 15 minutes, kids. But I want to see how it finishes. Don't watch. <laughs> this is Daddy's time. Daddy, what's that? <laughs> You'll learn one day. It's a gingerbread stick. <laughs> All right, that's enough of the perviness. Uh, so it's getting uncomfortable in here. Anyone else getting hot? <laughs> oh God. Uh, so, anyways, that's how we'll wrap up rare exports. Uh, so I think you know, uh, uh, Will and I gave it uh, two stars. Will uh, Smoke get uh, gives it three. So, uh, clearly, I think we, by and large, we recommend it. You know, if you want to go out and check it out, I think, you know, uh, the Spook Show gang gives it a thumbs up. So, on the next episode, uh, we're going to continue uh, to celebrate Christmas here, and we're going to go back to 1974 and do the horror Christmas classic, Black Christmas. There's been, what, one remake back in, what, what year was that, Smoke? The mid-2000s, right? 2006, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. and now there's a new one out here in 2019. So we figured it'd be uh, an appropriate time to go back and watch the original directed by Bob Clark from 1974. The very brief uh, synopsis that they give on IMDb. During their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. So I guess that sets it up enough. So, you know, if you want to watch ahead as usual... Um, uh, we're going to be watching Black Christmas from 1974. As of the recording of this podcast, um, it is available on Shudder. Um, it may be available in some other places, but I know for a fact it's on Shudder. So if you want to go, you know, if you have access to that and go check it out. Otherwise, you can look around on the internet and see if it's available anywhere else. I'm sure you can rent it on a, a lot of the usual uh, VOD, you know, rental platforms. So uh, get ahead of the curve and watch Black Christmas from 1974 for the next episode. Um, anything else you guys want to add about rare exports or anything else before we sign off here? I'm good. I think that's it. They covered it. <laughs> I think we can, uh, <laughs> I think we can, uh, lock the sucker up and, uh, throw it in the trash can now that I've, uh, said that I'm going to show my kids full frontal nudity <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> all right. So, well, uh, you know, yeah, there were elves. It was 2010. <laughs> Things were things were a little nutty and more acceptable back in those days. <laughs> That's interesting phrase you threw out there, by the way. All right, well, all right. I'm Josh, and for Will and Smoke, <laughs> this is the All American Spook Show podcast. We will see you next time for Black Christmas. <laughs>